Welcome back to another episode of the WAGS Podcast. I am on the road, on my way back from the Poconos. Had to do a uh, uh, presentation today for one of our uh, service divisions. And um, yeah, it was a good opportunity to talk about our uh, sales strategy for 2019 to our service team. So always great opportunity to be able to speak in front of an audience and articulate or try to articulate uh, what we're trying to accomplish for the year and how we can work better together. So that was a great experience today. But I uh, wanted to have a little fun uh, today. I really enjoyed the last time I recorded that uh, quote-unquote top five uh, albums podcast that was that was fun and so I thought I would do something similar and um, I would probably say that I tend to think about talk about uh, music a little bit more than let's say movies and so forth so I, I've got stuck a l- little on REM in the last month or so uh, you know some of it is uh, sometimes these things come in waves for me. I get into a band or I get reminded of a song or something like that. And um, so I just kind of go down that uh, that road. And, and for some reason, I, REM was stuck in my, my head and I wanted to dig a little deeper within that. So what I did was I went and reviewed every single album. Now, I don't own every album. I own probably... 10 of their albums um, I didn't really do the head count because I actually looked at the albums online I didn't uh, look at my collection so I think I have 10 albums I don't have a couple of the last ones but I do know I'm familiar with a few of their songs um, on the uh, sort of their last recordings um, so and I will tell you that I was extremely uh, saddened when they decided to retire I keep thinking that one of these days they'll come out of retirement for like one last tour but they um you know they're relatively old i mean they came out i think the first song radio free europe was out in 79 i believe so um so yeah even though they're famous for you know late 80s early 90s mid mid 80s if you're listening to them on college radio um so you know, but they're, they're, they've been around for a while. They've been around for quite some time. And so I don't know if that will ever happen. I really wanted to do that with uh, my son because he was uh, probably between 10 and 13. That was probably the only band that he listened to that I listened to. Um, so he kind of listened to them a little bit. And I was hoping um, right around that time was when they, they announced their retirement. So... So yeah, I was just digging into their albums a little bit. So what I did was, I ended up um, writing down all their songs, all my favorite songs on every album. And then from there, I was then trying to rank them from 1 to 33. As There's 33 um, songs that I ultimately pulled from their collection. And, uh, and so I wanted to see, you know if I could possibly rank them all. And I could tell you that uh, it's pretty challenging, pretty daunting to try to rank them all. So I'm sure if I spent a little bit more time with it, I, I could get there. But but I really just thought, again, in the spirit of what are my top five REM songs, uh, I'll go ahead and give you uh, quote-unquote of my top five. So 
and maybe what I'll do first though is I'll talk about every album and then my favorite songs off of that and maybe why depending on uh, what, what the song is so the first album was Murmur Murmur was had Radio Free Europe on it um, it also had um, one of my favorite songs I'm giving you a little sneak peek in there of uh, one of my favorite songs on there which is uh, Perfect Circle it's just one of those songs that you know, it was probably for the time, if you think, listen to their whole collection, became very similar to a lot of the songs that everybody seemed to like um, for REM. And especially the, you know, the later, the later albums, the later, um, you know, sort of their most popular time, they sent that sound, that sort of automatic for the people kind of sound. This perfect circle has that slower you know, methodical kind of uh, uh, vibe to it. So I really, really like that song on uh, Reckoning, which is the second album. Pretty Persuasion is a fun song. It's, um, you know, I, not one of my favorite, favorite songs, but definitely off that album, it's one of my favorite songs. And then Don't Go Back to Rockville is just a fun song. I got into that album. Actually, I didn't... The way I bought Murmur, Reckoning... Fables of the Reconstruction, Life's Rich Pageant, um, and Document, I, I really was probably a little too young when those albums came out. I was already into other things. Um, if you listen to the previous podcast about that time, I was into uh, uh, The Doors was really, really heavy into The Doors. Uh, and at that time, I probably was still more into Billy Idol and a few other more poppy stuff that was rock but pop and I really had found a band like REM at that point in my life where I just was obsessed so when the Green album came out and the Eponymous album um, which was really essentially the greatest hits from those um, five albums I bought those albums at the same time because A, I, I liked some of the stuff on Green so I bought that album and then the other part was I just thought I need to dig into who they are and from there which I think was 88 um, my junior year in high school maybe my senior year somewhere in there uh, I don't know when Green came out I think Green came out in 88 but I really got super obsessed with REM in 89 and and then I just went out and started buying everything so I bought all of those albums I even bought um an album that I don't even know if I've ever listened to, which was uh, all these B-sides that never were released. Uh, so that came out as well. I bought that. Uh, and I was I was fully engaged. I mean, R.E.M. was the first, like I said, band that I obsessed over um, and just was into everything that they did. So uh, don't, don't Go Back to Rockville was a song that I really fell in love with on the Eponymous album. Uh, because it, like I said, it was like a greatest hits. And so, um, now when I go back and think about some of the albums, I think the downside of getting that eponymous album first, uh, was that I probably didn't dig into some of the albums, especially Reckoning and Fables of the Reconstruction as much as I should have. Um, I just didn't spend a lot of time with those albums. Uh, but I did spend a lot of time with Murmur. I did spend a lot of time with Life's Pageant and Document. And um, so that's why I don't have as many favorite songs 
on the on Reckoning and Fables because on Fables I like um, can't get there from here. And when I think back, that was probably the first song that I, even though I wasn't quite into REM when that song was released yet, I do remember the video. Uh, I think I think 120 minutes was on MTV at the time. Uh, I don't remember for sure, but I loved 120 minutes where you can see all this sort of new alternative rock. Because alt, alt rock, I mean, REM, when you think about it in the U.S., REM was probably the biggest alternative rock band maybe ever. I'm sure that could be debated. And the Smiths in the U.K., obviously, kind of the poster child alt rock, especially early alt rock band. Um, although you could probably debate that you know, uh, with a few others. Uh, obviously, I think The Cure was ultimately the biggest band that came from sort of that alt-rock UK thing. But uh, Depeche Mode was big too. But I believe Cure, The Cure was probably the biggest of that group of bands. But, you know, that all seemed to come out around the same time as um, Joy Division and, uh, and then following that with New Order. But REM was sort of that band in the U.S. that when I went to college, when I listened to the college radio, that was the type of music that was being played. And so really, REM was, and they were a college band. That's how they started. They started in a college town. So they were a college radio band. And they were, you know, when I try to explain that to my kids, because REM's so big now and as far as the, the their fame it's it's hard to imagine how small they were but they were just so important they really paved the way cuz a lot of bands were not being signed cuz there was no commercial success i think of a band like the violent femmes that if you ask anybody from you know 84 to 90 what was uh, i mean everybody had the violent femmes um, album in their collection but they were never played anywhere other than college radio. And so, you know, when you see the Violent Femmes in a commercial today, it just makes me laugh because I constantly, and it's not exclusive to the Violent Femmes, but could be a few other bands that you just, I just look at my kids saying that they, they were, they were, these bands were never on the radio. You know, maybe in some major, major marketplaces, you might hear it from time to time, but this was, these were not albums and songs that people could hear on a regular basis. And REM really kicked the door down for that. You know, they really kicked kicked the door in, and they uh, allowed for there to be really radio stations that became alt rock purely because there was a there was commercial viability. Um, so that's why I, I give them so much credit. But ultimately, I got into them because I just loved their music and loved what they were kind of singing about. They seemed to have, even though when you listen to some of the songs. And Michael Stipe, admittedly, in the first couple albums, just didn't even write lyrics that seemed to, from his perspective, have a lot of meaning. As he got more skilled and, and honed his craft, he became better and better at making sure that his songs had a lot of meaning. And uh, and then that's about the time I got into him. So, anyway, back to my uh, my list here of songs that are important to me by album. Life First Pageant actually has quite a few. Um, it has uh, Begin the Beginning. I'm sorry, Begin the Begin. Uh, Swan Swan H. Um, Swan Swan Hummingbird is, is the chorus. 
it's uh, it's just such a kind of a uh, I don't know. I just kind of always feel like you're floating. Um, it's it's kind of like a, I envision there's this uh, feather that's kind of floating on the on the wind, and when he got, does that swan swan hummingbird chorus there, so I really really love that song. Uh, a song that I actually didn't know anything about. It wasn't on the eponymous album, and I went to see. Uh, REM on the green tour in, in like I said 88, 89 somewhere in there and they played this song called Superman and I had no I'd never heard this song before because I didn't have that uh, Life's Worth Pageant album at the time and probably was what prompted me to go back and start buying all these albums because I was just like this song rocks and the other thing was I was blown away, away about how many people I mean were just singing that song it in the in the on the audience, and I've always felt like I'm somebody who is current with music, as understands which songs are the biggest songs as it relates to those bands and so forth. So to be standing there and watching everyone sing this song, and I'm oblivious to it, and and I could understand why uh, it was such a good song because I was enjoying it, enjoying that experience. So Superman for me was uh, it, it, even though I don't listen to it a lot. When it comes on, I'm just I'm so happy to hear that song. Um, Cuyahoga is also a fun song. That's more of one of those songs that when you play an album relentlessly, um, you you just kind of gravitate towards specific songs. And for some reason, Cuyahoga was um, one of those songs. Uh, I just love the way he sings that that chorus. Um, it's uh, it's just catchy for me. And then Fall on Me. Probably for most people, I would say that that video, as well as that song, even today. I mean, it was as a matter of fact when I got in my car today. Uh, the reason why I decided to record this today was because I'm listening to an alt radio station on my way home from the uh, the the meetings today, and uh, turn the radio on, and there's two for Tuesday, um, you know, on the station, and they're playing two REM songs. So I said, I guess that's uh, that's my cue to do this recording. And um, "Follow Me" was one of those songs that they were playing. So "Follow Me" is just one of those songs that they will probably forever play. I, I probably would guess that it's played just behind "Losing My Religion" <laughs> as the most frequently played song by REM on the radio. So, so that gets me through the first three albums. Document has. Um, a couple really, really good songs on it. Uh, Finest Work Song uh, is just so good. And for me, it was almost like if you were to put Finest Work Song on green, you would it, it would sound perfectly harmonious on that album. It really is almost like you could, going back now and listening to Document and hearing Finest Work Song, you go, oh, that, that song was the precursor to green. They, I don't know if it was the last song that they wrote or if it was just they were starting to tap into some sort of new sound with green. Uh, but that song is just easily fits on the green album, which is why I think I gravitate towards it so so readily. Um, Disturbance at the Heroin House uh, is also a really, really fun song that I, l- I love when that song comes on, when I'm listening to maybe a, a Aurium mix or a, a Pandora or something. And it just, they drop that song in there because it's just one of those songs that 
you don't hear on a regular basis and you, you kind of go oh yeah I really really do dig this song so uh, if you haven't heard that that song go you know find it on YouTube or somewhere and, and check that song out and then this song for me is just one of those you know I was into skateboarding at the time and if, if you remember the video it's of it's the end of the world as we know it you got the kid skateboarding in the uh, abandoned broken down house and so I you know I just identified with that song and I think that being a Gen Xer and being sort of a cynical person in general uh, I think that that uh, it's just one of those songs that everybody knows everybody loves uh, but it really meant a little bit more to me than than that it was uh, it was one of those songs that for me I, I just really gravitated towards the, the idea of um, it's the end of the world as we know it, but I but I feel fine, right? So that's I just love that concept of everybody's panicking around you, or everyone's making a big deal about how something is changing um, because it's it's just it's not the end of the world; it's the end of the world as we know it. And then the idea that but you're gonna be but I'm gonna be fine. I, I'm I'm digging it. I'm actually uh, gonna be okay. I'm gonna enjoy the fact that things are gonna be different in the future. At least that's what I took away from it. Um, so whether that was what the writer's intent was or not, uh, that's a different conversation. But that's what I always took away from that song. So I love that song. So that brings me to the pre-Green uh, album. Because once, once you get into Green and Out of Time and Automatic for the People, uh, those three albums is probably when I was in the, the deepest, deepest REM uh, times. Because I was not only listening to those three albums on a regular basis... But again, I was going through all their old albums, and so this was a this was a, a love affair for quite some time. And it wasn't until uh, I got into Pearl Jam that uh, that they superseded or then took over my obsession from REM to Pearl Jam. So with Green, I just I think I said this on the on the last podcast. It's just the it's the one album that even with you know some of the songs that are less than uh, I don't know, not necessarily not popular but uh, it's just it's just the album for me that I just press play and, and I just don't have any problems with any song. Sure, I like some songs more than others but I, I don't have any issues with any of the songs. I just absolutely enjoy um, all of it. So um, so yeah, but, but on that album what's interesting is that I I don't really like, I mean, as as far as my favorite songs, um, my favorite songs are actually the ones that are a little bit more obscure on that album. So, um, Hair Shirt is is, uh, is one of my favorite songs. Um, again, it's just different. It's something that, and, I, and I, I found that when you really listen to some of those songs, it seemed to be, and maybe he was making statements at, at other songs previous to this, but I mean, it, and for me, it just seemed like um, I don't even, I don't know if I knew that he was uh, Michael Stipe was gay at the time. But when you listen to it through that lens, you can see that he was really expressing that. Um, so a song like um, uh, uh, "The Wrong Child" uh, is definitely a song that's that's like that. And then "World Leader Pretend," uh, those two songs I just absolutely love. "World Leader Pretend" it's um it's 
definitely uh, another one of those that you'll be hearing about again on on the list. So, um, and then the last song that I like on that is um, I Remember California. It's, uh, again, it's just one of those songs that's just different. Uh, I, I, I just, uh, there, again, there isn't even, there's no song on that album that I don't like. But those are, on that album, my four favorite. And even though Green is my favorite album, because I like it from start to finish, Out of Time actually has more of my favorite songs on it than any other album. So I have, uh, I have four songs that I absolutely love on Out of Time. And three of them are in my top ten. <laughs> so, but there are also two songs on that album that I cannot stand. I cannot stand that, even though I love hip hop, I can't stand the song with KRS One, and I cannot stand uh, losing my religion. I just, you know, whether it's just because they played it too much or what, I just, uh, just can't. I, I will not listen to lose my losing my religion on that on that uh, on the radio. I just can't do it. So. Um, so that those two songs just take out of time for me out of the top album for me because I, I just I have to skip right to number three, right to low. I go right to low, which isn't on my list of top. Although at one time low was my favorite REM song, but now it's not even in my top thirty-three, at least not by album. So, um, but I love the instrumental end, uh, end game, which is uh, I, I told a story recently. Um, that if, uh, for those of you who remember uh, answering machines and the little recording, the little tapes that you had, although I don't remember if I had a digital answering machine at this time or whether it was a tape or not. And I'm not, uh, as some of you might know, I'm, I don't really care about whether I piss people off or not. I'm not trying to intentionally ever make anybody mad, but I'm not overly concerned whether, uh, if I do or not. And so what I decided to do on my answering machine was take Endgame, which is a three and a half minute, four minute long instrumental song, and just hit record. And so if you wanted to leave a message on my answering machine in uh, 1990, 1991, 92, somewhere in that time frame, you literally had to listen to four minutes of an instrumental of REM, uh, and then... <laughs> And then you'd have to leave a message. And I think that in the entire time I left that recording on my answer machine, one person left a message. Uh, So it was a real interesting way for me to kind of just say, everyone just leave me alone. Um, (laughs) But that's what I did. And I I just love that song. Uh, Near Wild Heaven, you know, Mike, uh, Michael Mills is actually the lead singer on that song. Um, And uh, just absolutely love Near Wild Heaven. It just, it's a different sound uh, with him being the lead singer. Uh, Michael Stipe does some background vocals on that song, but Near Wild Heaven is a great, great song. If you've uh, not dove deep into that, um, check that out. Um, and then uh, Texarkana. Actually, another uh, Michael Mills uh, uh, lead singing song is Texarkana. Uh, again, just a different sound, um, different kind of vibe on that song and that's the one thing I do like about Out of Time is it's really a collection of a bunch of different sounds on that album whether it's uh, Losing My Religion or you know again I can't Radio Song is I think is the name of the KRS-One song I just don't even I hate it so much I don't remember the name of the song so I think it's Radio Radio Song but um, but but it just was a whole bunch of different types of sounds um, on that album which was cool and Half a World Away is again that's probably 
more similar to the sound on green, but I do like Half a World Away as well. So those are four of the songs I like on Out of Time. Automatic for the People. It's, and that was one of those albums that it, it took me a while to like. Um, I mean, everybody, uh, everybody hurts is definitely a song that, uh, and as that video, you know, took them to the next level uh, as it relates to. Uh, I mean, based between losing my religion and uh, everybody hurts, those two videos were just hugely successful. But. Um, Everybody knows that song. Everybody, everybody hurts is probably the one song, and I do have that as one of my favorite songs on this album. But I don't have a lot of songs from. And so there's a lot of songs on this album. Not a big Man on the Moon fan. Uh, you know, I like I enjoyed the movie, but I I just I was not a big fan of that uh, that song. Um, but uh, try not to breathe is uh, is a, one of my favorite songs. It's not quite in the top ten, but it's uh, it's right there. Uh, but sweetness follows is one of those songs that even it's become more popular as I've gotten older. Uh, for me, I, I just absolutely uh, love when that song comes on. And I got probably just like two years ago, a year and a half ago, I started to get obsessed with that song again. So that uh, those are the three songs that I love on automatic for the people. Then we get into sort of the monster, uh, and then you know some of the other ones. I, I have monster. I have uh, new adventures in, uh, in hi-fi. I don't have up. I don't have reveal. I don't have around the sun. I don't have accelerate. I do have collapse into now, which is the very last album. Uh, but um, so I think I have. I think I don't have four. I think I don't have four of the albums. Um, but uh, but on. Monster, I like what's the frequency, Kenneth? And again, that was a song that I didn't like initially, but um, as time has gone on, I've enjoyed that, especially the live version. If you ever get a chance to check that out, uh, that's fun. Uh, Crush with Eyeliner, again, I, I kind of started to find myself realizing that the songs that I liked on these albums were similar to other songs on other albums. Like Crush with Eyeliner kind of reminded me of some, like, uh, uh, you know, stuff off of green like Orange, Cru- uh, um, you know, Orange Crush. Um, it just kind of had a weird little funky sound to it that reminded me of uh, some of the stuff off of green. Uh, Strange Currencies, though, that's another one that has grown on me over time. And uh, Strange Currencies is a fun song to check out. And then, like I said, on some of these uh, other albums, uh, I'll just kind of list them. The the one song that really jumps out of this out of this list of the last five albums that they released. Um, was uh, on New Adventures of, uh, in Hi-Fi was Bittersweet Me, which is good. On Up, it was uh, Day Sleeper, which I like. But on Reveal, uh, Imitation of Life, that song for me is is uh, almost in the top 20. And so check check that out if you have never heard that song before. That's a, that's a fun song. Uh, and then Around the Sun, as, uh, the album has Aftermath I like. Until the day is done is on accelerate, and then oh my heart is collapse into now as the album, and uh, oh my heart squeaks in uh, in last position. I almost felt like I think it was the last song that I heard, or it was the last song that they released before they retired. So almost for me, I just um, you know I listened to that album, and and that's the song that I just have a almost a more of an emotional attachment to that song than than I. 
I'm sure whether I really like it or not, if that makes any sense. So, so that brings me to essentially, uh, okay, that's great. And, and if you've, some of those songs are songs you've never heard before, you know, one of the reasons that I wanted to do this was to potentially introduce you, uh, to some songs that you've never really spent any time with, but I'm going to go from, let's see, I'm going to go from number, uh, go from number nine. No, I'll go, I'll do the top 10, even though this is my top five list. No, I'm going to go to, I'm going to go nine. So number nine is uh, finest work song. Um, like I said, I just absolutely love that song. Uh, it was a precursor to what was coming uh, in, on the Green album. So if you ever want to like listen to that song and then throw on the Green album, you're going to hear that it, it really is consistent to what that sound was at the time. Number eight is Superman. I just uh, found myself, like I said, if it's on, I, I'm so excited to hear it. Um, it just reminds me of that concert. And so I think, again, I have got an emotional attachment to some of these songs in, in weird ways. And it's not even really about the song. It's about the moment. It takes me back to a spot, a place that I really enjoy. Um, number seven is World Leader Pretend. Um, when you li- listen to that, you, you for me, he really starts to reveal... Uh, openly about who he is, um, and, and not just as uh, a gay man, but how we all are at times. <laughs> we we're world leaders, pretend we 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 are the masters of our own world, but sometimes we're actually pretending that we're not really the masters. We just pretend that we are. Uh, I love that idea um, and that that concept. Um, but he he's very very revealing um, on the Green album about himself, some things he was working through for sure. Number six, number six is Radio Free Europe. Um, when you, when you really think about Radio Free Europe, it, it kind of um, it's just nostalgic for me as far as you know. It, it's almost like that's the song that started alt rock. It, it's not, but. For me, it was. Um, even though I didn't really know the song when it was released, because it released in '79 or '80, um, I think it might have been released as a single in '79. But then uh, I believe that Murmur came out in 1980. So you know, it, it was definitely in that '79, '80. So I was eight, nine years old. I was not listening to Radio Free Europe. But when I think about how important that song was for REM and then how, how important REM is for alt-rock, uh, um, I just I never really get sick of listening to that song. So that's my, uh, my alternates outside the top five. So my official top five. Actually, um, let's see. Sweetness Follows is coming in at number five. That was on the Vanilla Sky con- uh, soundtrack, but it was also on Automatic for the People. Um... And it is uh, just a very, very beautiful, beautiful song. Um, so check that out if you haven't spent any time with that. Number four is... Um, sorry, I'm driving and scrolling, which I shouldn't be doing, to figure out where my number four is. And um, actually, I don't really know if I made a number four. Um, it is... Yeah. Number four um, is Near Wild Heaven. Near Wild Heaven is number four. 
Uh, again, that was uh, Mike Mills singing on that song. Um, kind of a fun song. Kind of a kind of a happy song. A little kind of a, you know joyous little song there. Um, and then uh, let's see, number three. Would that that would make number three? Um, Oh, let's see. That would be Swan Swan Hummingbird uh, would be number three. Uh, and, and again, that's just such a fun, like a real almost bordering on like romantic song uh, in my mind. It's uh, just that, that melody on it, that's that chorus just sticks in my brain all, all the time. Swan Swan H is actually the name of the song. Uh, number two is uh, that that crazy instrumental that I couldn't that I tortured people with on my answering machine Endgame, um, and then number one is no doubt Perfect Circle. Perfect Circle. Um, I, I what I find is that not that many people know that song. Probably one of the reasons why I found myself so attracted to it. Um, but just another again, if you if you listen to that list, you'll find that there's probably some similarities. There's a, they're, they're, I like a lot of their slower stuff. Um, I enjoy the shiny happy people. I enjoy stand. I enjoy it's the end of the world. Um, I enjoy those songs because they're meant to be songs that are, are fun, especially shiny happy people. I mean, how, how do you how you how are you not happy especially when you see rem on sesame street doing shiny happy monsters so it's uh it's a fun fun song and i love all that stuff but uh when you when you really listen to some of the similarities from from song to song uh on uh, throughout that that list there's the you know, sweetness follows end game i mean the one song that made a little bit more upbeat than than those on the top five is uh near wild heaven uh, but Perfect Circle is very, very slow. Um, I wouldn't say it's depressing, but it's it's bordering. It's got a little somber feel to it. And uh, and that was perfect for the time. I mean, that was uh, the beginning of that uh, alt-rock, you know, depressing. You know, the Smiths depressing. The Cure is depressing. Uh, if anybody have ever seen the movie... Um, uh, Oh gosh, uh, um, oh Sing Street. Uh, it's set. It's came out a couple years ago, but it's set in the '80s. And uh, one of the things that they call the Cure is a band that's happy, sad. But that was kind of the music of the time, right? The music might have been happy, but the lyrics were sad. Um, the Smiths were probably the most. I mean, there's a Smith song out there that. You know, it's super jingle jangly as far as the music goes. But then he's talking about how he's, he, you know, if I'm in a double decker bus, you know, if it, if it kills the both of us, uh, I'll be by your side, and that's a heavenly way to die. I mean, it's a depressing lyric over sort of a jingle jangly song. So, um, not the perfect circle is that, but the somberness, the heaviness, the sort of, um, you know, goth type of feel started to come through in many, many of the bands at that time, and I felt like Perfect Circle for R.E.M. was was kind of that uh, similar type of sound, so so check it out, check out your, uh, your own, make your own R.E.M. list, make your own list of anything, uh, whoever you're into, but for me, 
REM was, uh, like I said, the band that I probably, if I, it was my equivalent of a boy band for a teenage girl was REM for me. So, uh, I love, I love those guys. And so, uh, hope to talk to you guys soon. Hope you enjoyed it. Uh, enjoy some REM. Talk to you soon. Bye.